And it's the RU Review, sponsored by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. I'm Steve Titchener in the studio with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. Rutgers is coming off a much-needed win versus Liberty. We'll look back at that game, look forward to this Saturday's matchup at Illinois, and we'll speak to Connor Orr from Monday Morning Quarterback and SI.com on Bob Serace. And later in the show, we'll chat with Eric Legrand. But guys, let me tell you something. We know it was a lesser opponent, but bottom line was they were a touchdown underdog in this game. Uh, Johnny Langan had a huge game. And if, if nothing else, Johnny Langan knows what it feels like to complete a pass, to move the ball downfield. I mean, he, he was able to run a little bit. I mean, he was able to use his skills. Now, it is a lesser opponent. I get it. But this can move forward into, into something positive for sure. But we saw a capable football team uh, this past Saturday. Against an opponent they should have beaten. Let's be honest. Despite the sure. the, the underdog status, I thought that was a bunch of BS. I mean, that's just And you really, called it. Well, you know what it is, and people get caught up in, oh, who's the favorite? Who's the underdog? All that is is the bookmakers trying to find a number that can put money, equal money, on each side of the equation so that they collect the VIG, which is the percentage of the losing bet, and they make a profit. That's how they do it. They don't want – they are risk averse people. So all it said was that Rutgers had fallen to such a state uh, in the minds of the betting public that they had to give them points at home in order for people to bet that side of the ledger. All right. That's it with the betting uh, lesson. I'm not a big gambler. In fact, I'm not a gambler Thanks, at all. Thanks, Jimmy but, the Greek. Well, I'm not a gambler, but that's that's what it is. And people get caught up. Oh, how can, look, Rutgers should never have been the underdog. They were playing a lesser opponent. Yes, they had lost six in a row. There was no way they should have lost that game. So they didn't. And you're right, Steve. It's excellent. Look, I, you know, it's too easy to hammer Rutgers now. 15,000 people. And dismiss plenty. this win because it's Liberty and yada, well, yada. No, Listen. I'm just saying the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Plenty of good seats available. What more do you expect? Did, did somebody actually expect 45,000 people to show up to watch the game? Off of six straight losses, firing a head coach? No. I mean, the, the kids, and that's what they are, are trying their best. It is not their fault. Are they you know, poor when it comes to execution? Sure. Two of their key players abandoned ship, turned their back on them. In Art Sitkowski and, and I'll tell Blackshear. you this, a team that 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 has quit would not have won that game. They did not quit. The guys are still playing. The kids sure. are still playing. Sure, because each time you take the field, any of us have played sports, right? You try to win. Uh, and that's what you so uh, look, it was a great win for them. Is it gonna change the narrative of the season? Is it gonna give Nunzio Campanilli a real shot at being the head coach unless they run the table in their final four games? The answer to that is no. The fact of the matter is they're going to get crushed by Ohio State and they're going to lose big time to Penn State, probably lose to Michigan State. Funny, I'm not sure what the Illinois outcome will be because they're not that good of a team, the Fighting Illini. It is home for them. They're going to take Rutgers lightly and Johnny Langan's going to go in with some confidence. Mm -hmm. Rutgers is going to go in with confidence. They're going to look at film and they're going to say, hey, if we do this, we can have success. So... It'll be a very interesting game Saturday against Illinois. Not suggesting that they will win, but I think the Fighting Illini and Lovey Smith are in for a harder fight than they think right now. 
Well, Steve, you were there and you're an alumnus. Mm. Take us inside SHI Stadium. What was the vibe like? I know, as Matt mentioned, plenty of empty seats. There was nobody there. It was a beautiful day. I know there were people that had other things to do. But what was it like in the stadium when they were down early and then here they come back and Langan's all over the field? Tell us about what that was like. Well, first of all, I knew it was going to be a light crowd because I just walked right in. Right at like kick, just after kickoff. Now, normally on, a, um, you know, when you're drawing 25, 30,000, at least you're waiting a little bit and we're just walking right in. It just, I could tell right away. I mean, it, I could have told yeah. you Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, and then, yes, there was a lot of groaning when the defense couldn't do anything and, and Liberty was going right down the field. But the one thing that, that, that surprised a lot of people, let's face it, it surprised us because the offense was so bad. It's like, my God, we're not going to be able to score on Liberty. Now, Maine lit up Liberty's defense. So so my thought was if Rutgers can't score against this team, oh, my God, then then we're talking about that that whale moment that we had discussed. <laughs> and, and here it is. They were able to score. And not only that, their defense finally t- tightened up a little bit in the second half, uh, made their quarterback second guess a little bit. They started blitzing a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, they were able to um, get a little separation there and and, uh, and and get up by multiple. They got up at, uh, by 17 at one point, and that was what they needed and and, and pretty much survived. And, um, and it was, you know, it's, look, it's a, it's a big win. And yes, everybody was in the second half. There was, you know, everybody was on their feet. The few people that were were there were excited and cheering. So there was a lot of great energy in the second half. But it was flat in the first half because, you know, going going in 21 all, it was like, and, and my thought was, and I even tweeted it out, it's like, it's all the second half. This is coaching now. Rutgers is at, is at home and they have to get this W. And and they did. You yeah, know what so I, I give them credit. And you know what I did read is that following one of, uh, his great defensive plays, or maybe it was in a sack, uh, the Tverdov young man mm. brought out the chop. So was yeah. that a little foreshadowing as to maybe who, who the knows? next it, head coach it, might it, be, it, but it, the it, chop was back. A few took note of that. I I, I didn't actually see it, but, uh, I, but I heard about it and read about it. So yeah, so... Um, you know, who knows if he was hmm. trying to make a statement there. Well, his brother well, played yeah, for Greg sure, Chiano, sure. right? So, yeah, and so uh, knows? It, there, there could be a statement being made there. But uh, he played a very good game. The defense stepped up in the second half, which they had to do, uh, against a pretty good Liberty offense. I mean, it's, it's not a bad team by any means. Their, their defense is bad. Uh, Liberty's defense, frankly, is, is bad. So now you're going to Illinois. You know, Lovey Smith. Oh, look at Lovey Smith, who was, you know, uh, you know, maligned over there and, and, and on his way out. And all, all he does is he beats Wisconsin, upsets Wisconsin. They beat Purdue. So now um, they're a team that's that's playing well. Rutgers has at least a, a I, I still believe, a fighting chance against a fighting Illini in Illinois. I think I they do. Did there. I think the uh, I, I think uh, Johnny Langan, as Matt alluded to, is going to have more confidence. Again, that the defense is sometimes sometimes they they're stiff, and then other times they you know big plays left and right. So it's it's hard. Just wonder what Andy Boo's doing with that defense. They got tons of linebackers. You know, they got they got you know they got freshmen like Deion Jennings, who's was all over the field against Minnesota. Had another good game this past Saturday. He's just a freshman, and it's, there's players. There's players on Rutgers' sideline. There's no question about well, it's, it. Th- that's it's just, never been a question. It's their depth and it's the amount right. of quality players they have. So, Look, they're going to have to be alert on Saturday. If they can carry over some of their success, like move the ball a little bit, stop Illinois a little bit, then it'll be a game. If they turn the ball over and mm-hmm. Illinois is 
great at taking the ball away. That's one of the things, one of their hallmarks of their defense. They're, they are ball hawks, and it has worked to their advantage. Then it could be another long day. Look, it's a step up in class. This in no way, no shape, question. or form is going to be an easy game. But off a win makes things a little easier. Practice is a little better, and we'll see what they bring on Saturday against Illinois. They're 20-point underdogs, uh, mm-hmm. which, again, that won't matter once they kick off, but uh, except to those who have some action on the game, <laughs> and it'll mean an awful lot as we count down to uh, the final ticks of the game. But at any rate, uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But yeah, it's a good win. Unfortunately, it's probably their last win. And, you know, Illinois doesn't have a stifling defense, but they do have some players and and uh, their offense is actually quite good. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Johnny Lang can do with a step up. You know, can he can he step up on the road? You know, and actually he delivered a couple nice uh, passes on, on Saturday too. some good time passes. He doesn't have the arm of Sitkowski, but he did have a pretty good touch on a couple balls. And, and uh, he had a good day passing as well. He ran for over 100 yards the first time since 61 that a Rutgers quarterback has done that. And he did have he did have an impressive game. Granted, the defense it was it was a weak defense. Let's see what he can do against Illinois defense, which, by the way, isn't Ohio State's defense. It isn't Michigan's defense. So let's see if uh, if they can move the ball and then, then, you know, look again, you're looking to have a game in the second half is really is the hope here to keep it close, get a game in the second half. And of course, if things uh, stay tight late, then you, you never know when you're on the road. All right. We'll have a quick word from our sponsor, Zebra Pen, and then we'll be back with Connor Orr, a staff writer for Monday Morning Quarterback and Sports Illustrated. When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to ZebraPen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. ZebraPen. Find us at your local retailer or online at ZebraPen.com. And follow us on social media. And we're back on the RU Review with uh, Connor Orr. And Connor, back in 2015, you wrote an article about uh, Bob Serais as, as possibly the next uh, Chip Kelly or, or Frank Reich. So what makes his offenses so special? Well, I just think it's interesting because he doesn't put any limitations on, on things. You know, I think a lot of us are drawn to coaches who aren't uh, drawn to convention. And I think that that's what makes Bob such an interesting offensive mind, such an interesting play caller, um, such an interesting person who manages a staff because, you know, there are games where, They'll use one quarterback from the zero to 20, 20 to zero, and another one from the 20 to the 20. And then, you know, there were weeks and months where they would use a three quarterback offense. And, you know, it's just um, the creativity there. I think we've seen historically over time is what elevates coaches. But the problem is uh, programs maybe aren't as open uh, to courting that kind of uh, character trait in somebody, you know, they're, they're more kind of worried about the perception around the guy and the place where he came from instead of, you know, what he's doing, where he's at. Well, yeah, they can be very conservative indeed. And then you do get innovative thinkers. And while we can talk about a bunch of them, the fact of the matter is football such a conservative sport because failure leads to firing. I guess that's true of all sports. And so it's interesting. We want those innovators, but then once, the odds turn against a play or, or certain run of games, and all of a sudden that person's on the hot seat. Uh, what, what kind of a guy is he? Did you spend much time with him? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was funny. I, I just kind of reached out and was like, hey, this offense seems crazy uh, and awesome. And 
he said, come on down. And, you know, it was great. I mean, just a really cool experience to um, see how the, uh, see how the offense works to see kind of his thought process behind it. Um, kind of how he sets up his whole coaching philosophy and, you know, obviously, you know, has been fortunate to keep in touch ever since, you know, whether it's, um, you know, some of the guys that they're putting out there, um, you know, they had uh, Chad Kanoff or Kanoff that went to the NFL um, and made the roster there in Arizona. And so just kind of the chance to, to get to talk to him about some of his guys, they've been putting out NFL talent, uh, which is crazy, really, uh, at least one a year. Um, over the last few years. And so, uh, yeah, been lucky enough to be able to keep in touch and uh, always kind of apply that standard, right? When you meet coaches that are in different uh, walks of life, it's like, okay, well, how do they compare to, to someone like Bob who, who thinks about things in a different way and who's confident enough to, uh, in his ability to do that? How much of his style uh, was born out of necessity? Because as he said, uh, you know, Tom Brady isn't going to be walking into, you know, his locker room anytime soon. And a lot of college coaches don't have that prototypical drop back quarterback. So how much of that was, OK, I don't have that. How am I going to win? And I'm going to put my best players who can, you know, sort of jacks of all trade that can do a lot of different things, run with the ball, throw the ball uh, and, and make make sure that they use all of their talents on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what's really interesting about them. And it's that philosophy where we're finally seeing it at the highest levels of the sport with the Ravens and the NFL, where it's like, okay, we're not in a position to draft a, a future prototypical franchise quarterback. Let's get Lamar Jackson and build a Lamar Jackson offense. Let's do that instead, because that's what we can get. And that's what we have. And I think that that's what Bob was so good at. And, you know, I think I remember him telling me back then, it's like, you know, what I get is a lot of quarterbacks. And so it's like when, uh, when you play baseball, all the best players are shortstops, right? And then you have to learn what to do with nine shortstops. And he's like, well, I get, I get nine quarterbacks, you know, and I have to learn what to do with nine quarterbacks. And if some of them are better athletes than some of the other players, some of them can catch, why not put two or three of them on the field at the same time? And, uh, you know, just little things like that, which sound so simple, um, to everyone else in the outside world and in football, that's radical a little bit. Right. So I think that, uh, it's, it's interesting to be around someone who thinks that way. Well, it's radical. I, I guess last year we could have seen uh, uh, Peyton Manning throwing to Geno Smith and handing off to Kyle Laletta at some point. That would have been, uh, <laughs> that would have been uh, to the extreme. But no, I, absolutely, I see your point. And it's, uh, it's that thinking ahead of maybe other guys that will give him the, uh, the advantage that he needs on Saturdays. Yeah. And, and that's what it's turning into. I mean, you know, you look at all the really emerging programs in football, whether it's at college or in the NFL or even down at NAIA. I mean, I've, I've met with offensive coordinators and, and guys who are kind of doing some really interesting things down there, you know, the JUCO level, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, that's where the next advantage is coming from. I mean, the, the Eagles willingness to borrow from the North Dakota state playbook won them a Super Bowl. I mean, that ushered in sort of that run pass option revolution in the NFL um, and gave them that that advantage. And I think that the people who are always on the lookout for stuff, Andy Reid is another person like that, are, are the ones who are succeeding. And so if I'm, you know, if I'm someone who's looking for a new head coach, and again, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what 
his situation is, and I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting in any way that he's, he's going to leave there or anything like that. But you know, that's the kind of base character trait I'm looking for, right, is what are you looking at? What other things are you absorbing? How are you learning? And I think that, uh, you know, it's really interesting to see how that separates certain candidates. Connor, it's the age-old question here. So, you know, as the level rises, he's having success on the Ivy League level, at the P5 level, even the NFL level. As the level rises, will the system work? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I, I um, The example that I'll give is I did a story for um, Sports Illustrated this past year where I, I sort of did a similar thing where I was looking for the next great um, defensive minds in football. And there was a guy, uh, at an NAIA program called Grandview university, um, that was running this thing that he called positionless defense. Um, and this was, you know, they're playing other schools like Nebraska, Peru, and all these schools in the middle of the country. And so, you know, as soon as we were done and the article came out, he ended up getting uh, hired as a you know division one coordinator. I mean, he made a huge leap to the next level because people saw what he was doing. They believed in it. And, you know, after kind of installing his system, I think I heard the other day from somebody that they, they've given up a touchdown in like two or three games or three games. Now it is. So, I mean, I, I think some of this stuff is universal. It's just the buy-in from everybody I think is, is the more critical thing here. Did you get a, did you get a 10%? bonus <laughs> for, for working you know, your magic I, I there for him, so I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask but uh I, you know it's, it's always good to see uh smart people get a uh, get good jobs well fair enough uh and you know what we see a little bit of what you're talking about too it's right in front of our face in the nfl and it's it's bill belichick and justin edelman was a quarterback great athlete and he's been used you know, superbly in his career and he's won multiple championships now tom brady's the man getting him the ball but you know, Belichick is that innovator, too. And I agree with you. The, the, the ones that can see not only around the curve, but around the next curve after that, those are the ones that you want to follow because they're just they are the innovators. They're, they're, they're just fun people to be around. I can see why you've tried to track them down during the course of your time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's and especially before they get to the NFL, then they don't want to talk to me anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's more fun to it's more fun to find them back when uh, back when they're looking for people to uh, to to hear all their cool ideas. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, what Bill Belichick has been doing for years, and then especially this year, I mean, you look at the way that he changed his defense over the course of an off season, and it might end up being historically the best defense in NFL history this year. It's phenomenal that a guy can reinvent himself year in and year out. And it's all a matter of willingness to learn and study and, and put the work in. Well, we see coaches try to pound a round peg into a square hole constantly, never adjusting their system to what they have. And Bill constantly does that, which, you know, you can argue and I'm not, I don't want to do it here, but you know, spy gate and deflate gate and all this sort of stuff. The man is a hell of a coach. There's no denying that it's, he's just one of the, he may, he, he's probably the best ever. Yeah, I mean, I would say so. And, you know, I was up there uh, during spring or training camp. And, you know, I think the thing that I never really realized about him and the reason that a lot of players want to go there is because, uh, you know, there, there are countless guys where before a game he'll say, hey, you know, uh, the wind is blowing this way. So if a receiver runs this route, I want you to stop 
and 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 let him get a little bit ahead of you because the wind speed is going to make the ball fade and it's going to run drop right into your hands and it happens, you know. And like he's he's giving guys the answers to the test before the thing even starts, and it's phenomenal that you know there are guys that can think that far ahead. And you know if I if I if I'm ever hiring somebody, I'm I'm at least gambling on that instead of a product or a person that I know doesn't have that capability. What is he doing differently defensively this year that has really, I mean, Sam Darnold is still saying he's seeing ghosts and he's been awful. I mean, he was awful against them. He was really bad against Jacksonville this weekend. This was after looking really good against Dallas in his first uh, foray back from the mono. And what is it that they're doing that, you know, has him seeing Casper, the friendly ghost? What's interesting, I mean, there's obviously that twist on that classic sort of zero blitz that he's been running a lot that sort of went out of fad in the NFL because teams didn't like running it anymore. But then once you get the kind of the personnel that he has, guys that have been together for long enough where they can adjust different things on the fly, I mean, they're bringing pressure at a rate that they haven't before and they've been getting home at a rate that they haven't before. Just I, I think it's a combination of that willingness to to – rush the passer in creative ways, but also that combination, that personnel where he's finally got a really smart group of guys together that know him front and back. And it's really interesting to see all the things that they've been able to do every week. Connor, there's the you know, thought with rockers that they need to get a, a new scheme uh, to, to compete in the big 10. Would you agree with that? Is it, I mean, it, it, it's the age old question of, is it the gyms and Joe's or the X's and the O's? If they don't have the Jims and Joes, then they got to figure it out on the other side. Yeah, I mean, I think college is certainly much more of a of a Jims and Joes kind of deal. First, I mean, you know, when you're in the Big Ten, there's certainly the the pressure to compete there on an athletic standpoint and scheme to. Uh, you know, I, I think if we went back to Chip Kelly's days as an offensive coordinator at New Hampshire, it was as creative as can be. But I don't think that they're you know, scoring 21 points against Ohio state or Michigan, um, you know, even as presently constructed, but, um, you know, I think what they need, and it's interesting. I've actually heard this from a few coaches just when asking about the Rutgers job out of curiosity, just kind of live here, the closest college program to my house and, you know, grew up covering sports here is that they need kind of the guy before the guy. I mean, they're, they're not even at the point where they're, they're supposed to get the guy right now. I mean, they need the person that is going to clean everything out and at least lay a foundation. You've seen that happen over time in a lot of different sports where, you know, you need that guy that maybe isn't your coach of the future, but you need the one that is at least talented enough to install a, a program, to install a foundation. And so, you know, it's, uh, I, I think that's the thing that they need to worry about first and foremost is getting that footing on the ground. And one would hope that it, it would have been Chris Ash, but it actually went backward, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, you know, I thought that was a good hire. And, you know, I know a lot of people who thought that was a good hire. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. This is a tough place to uh, to to run a program like this. And I think it certainly changes the perception of what Greg was able to do over his uh, time here. You know how impressive that really was. I think we've come up with a new term. It used to be you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the guy. <laughs> now you got to be the guy who's the guy before the guy. Yep. So there's a lot of guys things happening here. Hey, last one from me, uh, Connor, and thanks very much for your time again. Uh, and that is Cerise has a uh, an NFL background. He coached in uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals for many, many years. 
in any indication in your mind when you spoke with them uh, and, and you continue to have a relationship with them that there's greener pastures somewhere? A, had well, two questions. A, how did the NFL, how has the NFL influenced what he's doing at Princeton? And B, how happy is he at Princeton? Yeah, I mean, you know, I would say that, you know, we haven't had a, like a lengthy uh, sit down in, in quite a long time. But I mean, just being around the program back then, seeing the passion that he puts into it, the interactions that he has with, um, you know, all of his players and former players and alumni on, on social media and everything like that. I mean, you know, I don't know. I think that's a, that's certainly a dream job, especially for a guy that uh, you know that learned uh, everything he needed to know and started his playing career at Princeton. But um, you know, I, I think that the NFL always has an influence on you because I think that no matter who you are as a coach, you see um, you know the successes and failures at the highest level when the stakes are greatest, and you know you can take that and apply that wherever you go. And so. And I think it's always, you know, regardless of what level you coach at, having that perspective, I think, is certainly valuable. Well, Connor, thanks for taking some time with us. We'd love to have you back. I'd love to come back. Yeah, I appreciate it. Fantastic. That's Connor Orr from Monday Morning Quarterback and Sports Illustrated. You're listening to the RU Review. We'll be back with Eric Legrand after a word from Zebra Pen. When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to ZebraPen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. ZebraPen. Find us at your local retailer or online at ZebraPen.com. And follow us on social media. And we're back on the RU Review. And we have color analyst Eric Legrand with us. And uh, Eric, listen, I'll be honest, uh, I didn't see the performance uh, from Johnny Langan. I didn't see that coming. I mean, there was no indication to me that that was coming. Were you surprised or is this something you were waiting for? I mean, I was definitely surprised. I I would say I have been waiting for something like this because of, you know, just everything that has been going on. But what a performance he put on, man. 192 yards passing after two, three weeks ago, he had one yard passing. Uh, two touchdowns, and he also ran for a touchdown. I know the competition was a little bit different versus Liberty, but the way it's been looking on offense, it was at one point it was looking like a high school team may have been able to stop us, and all of a sudden we explode for 44 points, and I think that just goes to show you. Another week of Johnny learning the system, another week of Coach Campanelli uh, coaching and teaching what he wants done on the offensive side of the ball and players going out there and making plays for him. Well, that was my thoughts exactly. Now, I thought that the performance we'd seen so far, I'm not sure he can complete a pass here. And here he goes, not only, look, we know he doesn't have the cannon that Art Sikowski has, but, you know, he threw a couple of nice balls there. I mean, he has a nice touch on it, uh, on the ball. And, 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 and I'll tell you, was locked in. I mean, his accuracy was fantastic. And that, you look, that doesn't matter who you're playing. You still got to throw the ball accurately. And he, and he did a beautiful job. I want to say the, the best pass of the day was that little slant right side Isaiah Washington. And the reason why I'm going to say that it was only, may have been only a little 10-yard pass. But if you look on, on the film, uh, Johnny drops back and the linebacker jumps the route right away because it was supposed to be one of those quick hitters. And he saw that, so he pump faked it and then was able to go out with the, to the second uh, window and be able to squeeze it in between the corner and the safety now instead of trying to squeeze it in between the corner and the linebacker. And Isaiah Washington caught the ball and did the rest. And 
was able to score a touchdown. So that was very impressive. Well, yeah, I was all from Johnny Lightning. I was going to mention him. Isaiah Washington had a big game, had a really, uh, you know, like he's a freshman and he looks like the real deal, huh? Isaiah Washington, yes. I'm sorry. Isaiah Washington, yes. That was, that, that was great to see from a four receptions, you know, 89 yards and a touchdown with that 51 yard being the longest, but he's a freshman. He's good to see what's up, what he's able to do because he was a 20 offer plus guy. You know, he had a lot of offers and now getting to see him shine and they, they needed that in that locker room enough. Wide receiver core, personally, between Bo Melton, uh, um, Robinson, Washington, they all needed that little boost of confidence to show that they can go out there. Even Eddie Lewis got a bad talk. Sure he did. And, you know, listen, you know, it's Liberty. We get it. And, and they, it's a bad defense. I mean, Maine lit them up the week prior. So we knew that. and But still, you weren't sure whether Rutgers would move the ball. It's like, how bad is this offense? And they really got off their butt pretty good and, 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 and performed. Now, the defense was a little concerning in the first half, Eric. I mean, you know, they're uh, and we knew that Liberty actually had um, had a decent offense. I mean, Stephen Calvert can throw the ball and they got some good uh, wide receivers. So they were moving the ball. So going in at half was still a concern to 21 all, considering that they weren't really able to stop them. Were, were you concerned at halftime? Yeah, I was definitely a little bit concerned, especially you mentioned, you know, the pat the passing game. We know Liberty can throw the ball a little bit and and then Gandy Gandy Gundy, you know, he has a he has amazing hands. So when the ball goes to his hands it sticks. And there was NFL scouts that are watching and I to see a match with him and our cor- and our cornerback and see that how they're gonna go back and forth with each other. And it was it was fun to watch because at the end of the day you held, you held him to 68 yards receiving when five or something. And he had one mm-hmm. amazing play where he had that one hand to touch. Oh, yeah, it was a fantastic short. catch. That was, that was just it. Yeah. That, that was an NFL, no question. NFL catch right there. But you, you, right there, you, um, you, you guys have, you took your hat off to him. But mainly what I was concerned about was the running game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mac ran the ball for 11 times for 109 yards and averaging almost 10 yards a carry and two touchdowns. Yeah. And, and, that and is very concerning. Absolutely. In the first half, but, you know, give Andy Boo credit because in the second half, they made some adjustments and, you know, look, they had 21-21 at, at the half and then they won the second half convincingly. So they made the right adjustments. And uh, yeah, that was concerning because, they, you know, again, the big play was back and you're like, okay, but you knew that Liberty had a good o- offense. Uh, but again, they started getting to the quarterback. They started, Calvert started getting pressed a little bit. And and you do, we not, we haven't seen that all season. Them actually getting in a backfield, the other team's backfield a couple times, and and that started happening in the second half. And really, that was the difference. They were able to get the big lead and hang on. And listen, understand it's it's Liberty, but you know we were at a point where this was going to be our new low, losing the Liberty, <laughs> going in, um, you know, uh, an underdog, a, a touchdown touchdown underdog, and to, it's, look, they the Rutgers did what they had to do, and that was to to win that second half and get the W. Yeah, they handled their business and they made halftime adjustments. And you'll hear from coaches talking all the time. And you don't just you know uh, you know uh, just coach lean up and make adjustments leading up to the game. You coach through the entire game and you make adjustments every single series, every quarter of the game. What do you see here? What do you see? How can we do this? How can we do that? And our intermission at halftime, Andy Boo was able to lock down the defense a little bit more and make some adjustments so the Scarlets really needed. Mm-hmm. And as you said. They started to see some pressure in the backfield. And it's been a while since I said the Scar Knights had a party in the backfield. That's when the defensive line That's great. all get to the quarterback, and it's like pick and choose which one gets the sack. But there's no better feeling when you got three, four guys 
surrounding the quarterback and uh, all of you tackling for a sack. That's that's a great feeling for a defensive lineman. We got to see that on Saturday. Yeah, and then back to Johnny Lang, and also you know the first uh, Rutgers quarterback to rush over 100 yards since '61, 118 yards, and this is where they dominated the front. So obviously. Uh, Liberty's defensive line was challenged and and uh, he just kept, you know, keep keeping it and running right up the gut. And, you know, I, I, I realized, look, see, he's a pretty big guy. I didn't uh, you know, he's he's got some big legs and he, and he drives his legs. And, uh, you know, certainly, listen, we know it was a, it was a uh, undersized defensive line. But they, you know, look, he um, he, he took it to him. He he, he found the weakness uh, on that line and, and, and he just kept exploiting it. Absolutely. And um it's funny because when when that stat came up on the radio with Chris Carlin, I first Rutgers quarterback to rush over 100 yards since 1961. I immediately looked at Ray Lucas. So I'm like, <laughs> really, Ray? Like I didn't know that. And he goes, he goes, I was rushing, but I wasn't rushing that much. <laughs> I was, I was like, wow, 100 yards on the ground, good for him. First quarterback Rutgers since 1961, right there. And he had. 21 carries. The average 5.6 yards a carry. Yeah. In the first half. So yeah, it was, he is definitely strong. I just I get a little bit nervous sometimes when he goes into a pile and he puts his head down a little bit. You never know what can come out of that. We, well, right. It's crazy to say, but we don't want to lose him because yeah. we really don't know what we oh, have it, behind him. As thin as Rutgers is, I mean, listen, he's got to stay on the field right now. And and what we saw on Saturday, we want him to stay on the field. And beforehand, frankly, we didn't. So there is some light at the end of the tunnel here. Now you got Illinois. You're going to Illinois. They're, oh, look at this. You know, Lovey Smith looked like he was out. You know, no one, you know, couldn't do anything right. Uh, and then, bang, he beats Wisconsin. And then they beat up Purdue. They only give up six points at Purdue. And so now you got a new team here. The, uh, the Illinois is Illinois is playing well, and uh, and oh look, they got a good quarterback in, in Brandon Peters, and um, you know they got a good running game and a, and a pretty stingy defense. So this is going to be a big challenge for Rutgers going into Champaign. Yeah, we're catching them. I'm gonna lie, at the wrong time right now. You know they had a game versus Michigan earlier in the year where that Michigan thought they had them down now, and Illinois stomped right back, and Michigan ended up winning that game, but. Illinois was fighting right back. Then they go and upset the shock the world beating was that number six Wisconsin team. Nobody saw that there. They were, I believe, mm-hmm. thirty-one point underdogs, and they ended up winning. Yeah. Then they go on the road in the rain and nasty weather, and they beat up on Purdue, and mm-hmm. now they're coming back home and they're four and four. So you know, they want that bowl opportunity. They got Michigan State after us, Iowa, and Northwestern, and I can see. I can see them getting two, two more wins with whether whether that's Michigan State or Northwestern. So four and four now, and it's, it's very possible. After, yeah, after Lovey Smith was about to be out of the door, so the, they're trying to get to a bowl game. Yeah, absolutely. They got a shot. You know, they they they, they take care of business Saturday, and then Northwestern they got there. So that's their six wins right there. So obviously, this is a very important game for them. So I'll ask you, Eric, what does Rutgers need to do? Can Johnny Lang have the kind of success he had on Saturday, or is that just an aberration because it was a weaker Liberty defense? It, well, it, it definitely was a weaker defense. It's called spade to spade. That mm-hmm. defense was allowing over 420 yards a game. You're not going to see that this week. Illinois is going to be coming out there, putting their ears down, and I'm sure they're going to try to make Johnny Lang throw the ball. They're going to load it up in the box, try to stop the run with Pacheco, and they're going to try to force Johnny Lang to beat them, and we're going to have to see Another week of development. Can he find those guys like Isaiah Washington, Eddie Lewis, and Bo Melton down the field and get them the ball on time 
or in space for them to make some plays. Because I promise you, until Johnny Langan proves it that he can beat somebody with his arm, people are going to be sending the house. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget Isaiah Pacheco. He did have a good game, 107 yards, I believe. He had a nice long touchdown run. And the kid, even listen, he's been a warrior. He just has. He knows no quitting him at all. And, uh, you know, listen, he had, a, he had another tough uh, Saturday. And, and you got to believe that, that, that Rutgers can uh, you know, move the ball or run r- run a little bit uh, this Saturday. Yeah, they're going to definitely try to. If you can get the running game going, especially with Johnny Langan adding to that, when Pacheco gets the ball, the kids, he's, he runs angry. He puts his head down and bobs back and forth real fast. It's like a little Sonic the Hedgehog type, like when he hits the turbo, it's like, pew. He goes off the own line can just give him a little bit of a crease. I will take him one-on-one when he gets to that second level any day with a linebacker or when he gets to that third mm-hmm. level with the safety, trying to juke him out and them chasing him from behind because he's just that gifted when he touches the ball. I think Nunzio's going to have to be more creative on how he gets the ball, whether if that's more jet sweep motions of people going across moving guys out of that box or spreading it out with four wide receivers and then running it, but they got to get a little bit creative because, like I said, you can't just line up in your traditional, right. you know, tight end and a running back or two mm-hmm. running backs and that and 21 personnel and try to run the ball because the Illinois will be stacking the box. Yeah. And one more for me, Eric, because you are a defensive guy. I mean, listen, there was some, there's the good, bad, and ugly on Saturday. Uh, they did win the football game, but now you're going to Illinois. You know, pretty good offense. What what concerns you about Rutgers' defense right now, and what do they need to do? What do they need to figure out to stay in the game? Well, one, they got to stop the run. They can't let mm-hmm. Corbin get loose on, uh, on them. I know he has five touchdowns on the season from 526 yards. But mm-hmm. I think a big thing is trying to get pressure on Brandon Peters. He was actually a guy that I'm taking Rutgers into consideration towards him as a grad, grad transfer. They have to try to get pressure on this guy mm-hmm. and try to see disrupt him. He's only turned the ball over four times this year, which is impressive. He's a veteran guy. So if you can try to force a big play and give your offense a short field and give them some momentum, I think we can see a game here. But we got to get we got to continue off of what we uh, piggyback off of what we did this past week and with mm-hmm. Liberty and get some pressure on that. Because if he's sitting back there all day and the defensive line is not getting there. It'll be a long day for the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I think so. So, well, Eric, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. And uh, go uh, Scarlet Knights, 3.30 in Champaign, Illinois, uh, this Saturday. And that'll do it for this week's RU Review. We'd like to thank uh, Connor Orr for joining us. And, of course, Eric Legrand. And our sponsor, Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. And we'll all catch you next week. Bye.